Well, if that didn't get your attention or get you curious, I don't really know what will. But, yeah, especially the last one was quite a zinger. I'm thinking like, whoa, he just kept it real. But, um... I'm Joseph. My name is Joseph, and I work with usually students all throughout uh, North Point with the five campuses. He's high school all the way to college and back down to middle school. Don't really mess around with the kids too much. Uh, but yeah, so tonight, uh, I think the main thing that we wanted to continue from last week was the whole idea of what love, sex, and dating is to this generation. And I'm really, really happy that everyone's awake because I feel like all of us were up late while watching the Grammys last night, I'd imagine. Okay, all right. Some of you probably were like me, kind of tuning in, thinking like some, some of them were really good. Some of them were like, uh, did anybody see that? Couple, I won't even mention any performances, but a couple performances that kind of had, it had us iffy. But I will say last week we left off with this, with this idea, right? This idea that love, sex, and dating has kind of been distorted in society today. And so we said, okay, what's a good place to start? Where, where is a good place to start? And so the whole reason we're doing this series is because so many times in a church, they just forget all about the single people. It's like it's not that big of a deal. We end up talking to the married people, but we end up forgetting about the single people. And so when you ask single people about the married life or about dating, a lot of times you don't get the best of answers. And a lot of times if you ask them about marriage, they're actually going to tell you that they don't more or less see it in a positive light. Because to a lot of people, when they think about marriage, they think of it in the context of what they see on TV or maybe what's all around them, or maybe what they hear on the radio, and all these different messages. And reality is, the TV isn't the best place to look at a marriage. Because who wants to tune into a show that has two loving couples that are sitting down having wonderful family dinners together, and if they have any struggle, they go to counseling and they talk about it and they read their Bibles together. Does that sound like a number one show to you? Probably not. Which is why so many times... We end up tuning into these shows that kind of show us a distorted view of marriage. And so we kind of start looking at marriage and saying, well, I'm not so sure about marriage. And we kind of thought, we said, listen, there's no reason why every single single person should not be excited about the idea of marriage. And so that's what kind of bore this entire this entire subject. Okay, so where do we start? Okay, well, we always typically want to look at the other person. Okay, we'll start with them. But we started week one with the idea of ourselves. And it was this line right here. This is what week one said. Are you who the person you are looking for is looking for? There's probably nothing worse than sitting down with somebody and them telling you a checklist of everything that they want from somebody. And you, as they're talking, you're thinking, are you serious? Are you serious? You aren't anything on that list. I mean, I need him to be, I need him to be a man of God. I need him to have a six pack. I wouldn't mind if he had green eyes. I need him to love Bachelor. I need him to all that stuff. You're kind of like, really? He needs to do all of that to make your choice? I need all that. And then I need him to be able to have fun and make me laugh. <laughs> Gosh. And so we start with this whole idea. Are you the person who you're looking for is looking for? And that's a good thing because you can't ask them to be something that you're not. Because reality is, if they're looking for the person that's similar to them and you're not like them, then you're probably not going to have a lot of success. And then you're going to be all bitter about love and you're going to say, it doesn't work out for me. When reality is, you're not looking at it the way you should be looking at it. You should have started with yourself. And so that's where we started. Are you the person? And we kind of address this idea of the right person myth. And I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people and they say, you know what? I know I'm living wild. I know things are wild. I know things are crazy right now, and I'm loving life, living it young. 
and free. But once I find the right person, once I find that person, that girl, that guy, then I'm going to go ahead and get it all together. I'm going to settle down and live happily ever after. And we kind of addressed that. And we said, it doesn't really work out like that. Everyone going through life saying, I'm going to find that right person and then I'll fix it all together. That's, that's not reality. But then they find that good person. They come back and they're saying, Joe, it's just so amazing. Like, the date was perfect. This girl is completely different than anybody else. Like, we talked for hours. We laughed. We walked through Piedmont Park back and forth, back and forth. Like, I don't know. She's just totally different. And I'm like, yeah, but you still kind of have all those issues from before. I'm a new man. I'm totally different. I'm ready to walk down that aisle. And then they walk down that aisle. And they say, okay, and right before I say, well, is it love? Do you think it's definitely love? Oh, this feeling I have, she takes my breath away. It's love. It's definitely, I said, well, love is a little bit more than a feeling. It sounds a little bit more like chemistry. Nope, I'm ready. I'm ready to do it. And they walk down that aisle. And then you can always tell, because the thing about chemistry is, if it's bad chemistry, it's going to eventually blow up. And that'll end up with a relationship that looked like this. A Franken marriage. And the thing about a Franken marriage is this. It's probably nothing worse than a marriage that you're looking at and you're like, okay, we all know what happened. That feeling left, right? That feeling that is impossible. I know, I know. It's impossible. It's not supposed to be able to happen because this feeling lasts forever, right? That feeling when you first meet a man or when you first meet a girl, that feeling is going to last for the entire marriage, right? Come on. <laughs> but that's what it is. And then it wears off and all of a sudden you realize it's just chemistry, and chemistry doesn't work out so well. And then things get ugly, things get bad, and they break up. And you're like, man. Because they never took the chance to fix themselves. See, this, this series isn't about finding the right person. It's about becoming the right person. It's not about making the perfect marriage. You could spend a year working on a wedding, but you might have spent seven years creating a lifestyle that's going to unravel it. That's what this is about. And so we're going to talk about the aspect of what do we need to look at as far as what's the first thing we need to do to establish our focus as to get that type of relationship that we really, really want. What, what's the thing that we really, really need to start looking at? And it's difficult. It's difficult because starting with ourselves oftentimes isn't, isn't a very comfortable place, but it's the necessary. It's the necessary place. So many times... You grow up and you hear the stories. It doesn't matter what happens. You find that right person, you marry them, and you live happily ever after. And I can't tell you how many people I sit down to lunch with or I go to dinner with or or they come to my office and they sit down. I can't tell you how many people really, truly believe that. And that's why last week we talked about when the Bible says it's time to stop thinking like a child. Because life isn't like that. You can't go around life doing whatever you want to do and then expect for it to have a happily ever after ending. It just doesn't work like that. And so we said, okay, if we're going to stop thinking like a child, if we're going to start thinking like adults, then it's got to start with making some tough decisions. Am I the person that the person is looking for? for?" So that's where we started. And so today we kind of continue that frame of thought, but we specifically talk to the single males, the single men in the room. And a lot of ladies are thinking like, yep, that's the place you want to start. That's exactly (laughs) They're the problem. <laughs> yep. Somebody's looking at their boyfriend right now like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but 
But the good reason why we have to start with the men is because men are so influenced by what culture is all around them. It's like you turn on the TV and you see women portrayed in a certain way and you walk down the streets and you see women walking and dressing a certain way and we turn on the radio and we see, we hear about women in a certain way and all of a sudden men, our whole mindset of a woman can kind of get distorted. And so a really strong point to start would be to talk to the men first. Because if the men, if, if the single Christian men can truly maintain a different perspective on women, you can only imagine what it's going to ripple out and do to people around them. They're going to say they're completely different. They talk different. They walk different. They treat women completely differently. And so we say, okay, we need to start with the men and we need to start with their perspective of women. How should a man look, treat, talk to a woman? That's a really good place to start. Because reality is, here's the challenge. So many times, women are presented, sung about, talked about as a commodity. That's the way they're presented. You're just a commodity. Women are viewed, presented, talked about, sung about, just like that. That's it. A commodity is basically just property. Come on. You turn on the radio, and you're hearing constant, constant songs about commodity. Turn on the TV. Commodity. Internet. Commodity. So much so that women start to even think of themselves as a commodity. And they start approaching men as if it's just, I'm just a commodity. I know that. I've accepted that. And all of a sudden you have women that are more or less like saying, you can take me, use me, and then when you're done, you can discard me. And all of a sudden we have a generation of men that view women as a commodity. But the reality is it didn't just start with this generation. If we were to be real, it didn't just start. Because for years and years and years, men have viewed women like commodity. They've just viewed them as objects. In fact, if you were to go back all the way back into those biblical days, you'd actually see that men called women property, basically. That this word was actually literal. Like in the Greek and Roman times, like this was literal. This was the way that they looked at women. Like you're just property, I can take you, I can do with you as I please, and then when I'm done with you, I can discard you. In fact, the Roman men were so obsessed with wealth and power that they wouldn't even want to marry a woman because with that came risk. And if they had a baby with that woman, whoa, if I had a baby with her, then I have to split my estate with her. That's not even an option. I need to stay at the top. And so they wouldn't even marry them, or if they did marry them, they wouldn't have sex with them. They'd have sex with prostitutes so they can have as many babies as they want, but they're not a threat. They not only respected, disrespected their wives, they looked at women over there like they're nothing. For years, for years, men have had this issue. Imagine if the Christian men of today could completely flip this idea upside down and say, that's not how we're going to talk to women. That's not how we're going to view women. That's not how we're going to go about our lives when we run into women, when we talk to women, when we date women. That's not how we're going to even think. Because if we look at it, that's essentially what Jesus did. That is, if we really, if we really do look at Jesus' life. I mean, here he is, a guy that comes in the middle of a time where women are pretty much slaves. You don't have a say. You can't say anything. You just have to accept whatever happens to you. You are property. And here he is talking to women 
that he's not even supposed to associate with. There's a story in the Bible where he's actually talking to a Samaritan woman and all his disciples are saying, what are you doing? He has to talk to her. We don't talk to them. And not only does Jesus talk to her, help her, give her some vision, he actually drinks after her. And they're like, no, no, gone too far, Jesus. Once again, you're doing too much. (laughs) We don't drink after them, not those type girls. And then there's another story in the Bible where there's a group of people all surrounded in the middle of the town ridiculing this prostitute. And she was caught in the act, pulled out of the house, thrown there, no clothes on. And everybody's ridiculing her. And Jesus walks through the crowd, kneels right in front of her, ignoring everybody around him. And everybody's like, what is he doing? Why would he associate himself with a prostitute? And he says, what are you doing with yourself? Get up, Change. And he forgives her and she walks away. And then he looks at them and tells them that they're wrong for what they did. And you're like, wow, what kind of guy is that? That's essentially the kind of guy he's asking us to be. That it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what kind of woman you're dealing with. Every single woman should be treated a certain way. They're never a commodity, even if they think they're one. It's an entire different way of thinking, and it will radically change the culture around us, which is why it's so important, because if it worked then, which is why we're talking about them now, then imagine what we can do to our society right now. And so we say, okay, let's start the scripture, 2 Peter. And it says this, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. Now, the reason why this is so important it's because the word respect is the only place, this is the only time it's actually found in the New Testament. The only time it's even found in the Bible, actually. And the respect, the word, the actual re- word respect means to give them honor, to grant them honor. And this was a big deal because you're dealing with talking to a group of people who are viewing women as property. And it's like, you, wait a minute, wait, uh, wait a minute, Jesus, one second. Um, okay, all right, um, respect. Uh, you're trying to tell me that all of a sudden my property, I have to respect my property. Imagine that. It's a totally radical idea. But he said, no, no, no. Give them honor. Give them honor. Grant them honor. And he continues on and he says this. As the weaker partner. Ladies, you love that. (laughs) Like what? All the scriptures he found out But the reason why I say that is he's not talking about it in some metaphor. He's actually being actually literal about it. He's not saying it as an inferior. He's saying it as the opposite. He's saying, okay, the man who can beat you probably in some arm wrestling. You are the weaker partner. That's all he's saying. And this is, this is completely flipping their ideas upside down because this is in a time where might is right, where power rules over the weaker. Women don't have a say because they're not as powerful as we are. Therefore, we can assert our dominance over them and they cannot speak. And he says, no, 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 no. No, no, no. As the weaker partner, you are to use your power to actually serve them. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay, 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 okay. You're saying that I have to not only grant them honor, I have to then use my power as leverage for them as the weaker speaker. He says, yes, yes. Might is not right. Because as I gave my life for you, and I had more power and leveraged it for you, you should be doing the same for those weaker than you. And this is how he finishes. As heirs with you 
of the gracious gift of life. One of the most radical things he could say. Because immediately they would have to stop. Immediately. This isn't a time, literally, you never ever even think of a woman as a person. And all of a sudden, he just called them heirs. And you're like, whoa. Grant them honor, protect them, and now you're telling me that they're my equal? And he says, not only are they your equal, they were with you in the gracious gift of life. I didn't just die for men. I died for women too. <laughs> what? This, this was completely different concept. He's saying, it's not just my son's of God. No, no, no. These are my daughters too. It essentially means that if you're dating a girl, you're dating his daughter. Uh Uh-oh. That's daddy. (laughs) He's like, I'm looking at you with my gun (laughs) or a lightning bolt. I'm not sure, but listen, (laughs) what he's saying is this is my daughter. I died for her just like I died for you. And she is giving grace and all the gifts that you were given just as you were. She is just as you are. And you can only imagine what it had to do all around them. What? This isn't a time when women aren't even viewed as people. And he's saying that they're equal and we are to leverage the power. What's funny is here we are years, years later. And we still see time and time again that women are viewed as commodity. And it's crazy. But it's what naturally happens to men when you have power. You say, I can assert my dominance over women. And that's how I'm going to go about treating them. And Jesus says, if you are a believer, if you are truly a single follower of Christ as a man, then why would you conform to everything that's around you? Why not completely shift it? And that's why so many women were running for the gospel. So many women were impacted because for the first time they were talked to and treated to, treated as a woman. And for them, they said, finally, people are seeing us as people. If it can radically change then, then it can still radically change now. And so that's the idea. And so here's point two. If, 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 if there are heirs, Okay, how do we go about this next level? And that's what we want to talk about now. Okay, Um, make sure I got that one. Make sure I say this right because I don't want to mess this line up here. Uh, Okay, when it comes to your mindset and when it comes to this next level, it essentially requires us to renew our mindset and then to make up our minds to be different, which is which is a very bold concept. Okay, we're renewing. We're renewing our mindset so that we can think differently. And then we're making our minds up for our behavior to change. To say this means this. That what we listen to, what's around us, what we put in our ears, in our heads, that will affect us. And so for the next few minutes, I want to just get real with the men. And I want to actually talk about what you're putting in there. That's why I want to make sure I say this right, because there's so many sensitive things right now that I know that this might be uncomfortable, but it's necessary. Because trust me, if you, if you, if you take all of this, I guarantee you'll have success down the road when it comes to relationships. But the first thing I want to talk about is just music. Music. 
So many people think it's just entertainment. But if this is how we view women, then if your music contradicts this image, contradicts this message, then you probably shouldn't be listening to it. And I'll be even more specific. If you have a playlist on your iPod that refers to women as bitch or ho, ho, you're going to need to delete that tonight. Why? Why would you listen to it? Why, why would you think that that's okay? If you're a Christian man and this is how you view women and you know, okay, they're not commodities, why would you do that? You know what the crazy thing is? So many people tell me it's not that big a deal. It's just entertainment. It's just culture. It's just lifestyle. And I say, no, it it is entertainment. It is culture. It is lifestyle. But some cultures and some lifestyles are actually inferior to others. And so if you have a culture and a lifestyle that dehumanizes any man or any woman, then that's not the right culture or lifestyle that you should be following. So why are you following it? It's as simple as that. Why, why would you even put that in there? Any, any culture and lifestyle that dehumanizes men and women is a dangerous place because oftentimes it leads to cruelty. And in Rwanda, you can look at the Tutsis and they viewed them as roaches, called them roaches as they were not human, as they were nothing, less than. And we saw the genocide that happened. Or the Nazis. As they, as they viewed women, as they viewed the Jews, actually, as inferior, inhumane, and women specifically as whores, rats, the genocide that occurred with there. Any, any culture, lifestyle that refers to men or women and dehumanizes them is a dangerous place to be. And so when you think it's just music, something that you can just listen to and have fun with, It's not just music. If it's doing that, then you should not be listening to it. If you truly, honestly believe that a woman should be treated just as you are and viewed as a woman of God, then you should not be playing that type of music. Now, some of you are thinking, okay, I have nothing to listen to tonight. (laughs) You have to redo, you have to go to the store tomorrow and try and find some new music. Maybe. But you can't bend on that. You can't bend on that. Number two, guys. Addressing erotic images. Porn. So many times, guys underestimate the power of porn. And they get caught up in it, and they're like, it's not that, it's not that big a deal. I'll stop once I find somebody. Do you know that when you look at porn, you're essentially in a classroom? When you look at porn, you're essentially being taught three things. And here's the first thing. The first thing is very, very simple. Real bodies are not enough. A real body isn't good enough. And then it teaches you this. One, one, one body isn't good enough. That's why you go back and you go back and you go back and you start enjoying this more and more. And lastly, it teaches you this, that your wife's body down the road won't be good enough either. And I can't tell you how many men I've had to sit with and have this conversation with as this completely ravaged their marriages. 
And I say, why did you underestimate it? I didn't think it was that big a deal. It's just some videos. I said, it's not just some videos. It completely changes a man's mindset. And for years, 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 the church has said that about pornography. Do not engage in it. It will hurt your marriage. It will hurt you down the road. And for so many years, the people denied it. And you know what's funny? In World War II, the government gave GIs as many cigarettes as they wanted to smoke. You could smoke as many as you want. Enjoy it. And then years later, they said, oh, no, wait, wait, wait. You're killing yourselves. Sometimes a lifestyle is inferior. Mistakes are made. But you're here you are saying that it's not that big a deal. Oh, it's a huge, huge, huge deal. And now there's science to back it up. Because there's studies that actually say that when a person looks at pornography, it actually burns pathways in their brain that they will not be able to forget those images. That's why it affects your marriage. That's why her body ends up not being enough. Because it's actually changed the chemical mindset of your brain. It stimulates your brain that much that it actually burns its pathways in there. And you cannot shake those images. Pornography is very, very serious. And that means that you may have to say, hey, find your accountability person that's close to you and say, I need to give you my passwords. I got I to delete all this stuff tonight. And I need you to hold me accountable. I need to give you all my passwords. But if you're going to sit here and tell me, nah, I, don't, I don't plan on stopping. I like pornography too much. I don't, I don't want to stop. Then at least do the decency of the next girl you talk to to let her know. So at the end of the date, you can at least tell her this. Just, just, just tell her this for me. I really had a great time. Um, it was wonderful getting to know you, and the conversation was amazing, and I'd really like to do this again. But I just want to let you know one thing. Um, well, a couple things, actually. Uh, real girls' bodies are not enough for me. And then, um, well, actually, one girl's body isn't even enough for me. And then your body will never be enough for me. But I'd love to get a second date. Can I pick you up at seven? No? No? No wife, no wife should have to compete with hundreds of women. No woman. It's not fair. Your little secret, your little secret now will affect you later. Spend a year on a marriage, seven years developing habits that will unravel it. It's got to stop tonight. It's got to stop tonight. And so that's where... That's renewing your mindset. But making the decision to change your behavior, well, that's actually going to be how you interact with the women. And so, man, I want you to do this. I want you to think about that woman in your life, that, that woman that you, you respect more than anything, that you would honor. It, it, it might be your mother. It might be somebody that you always esteemed. It might be the president's wife. It might be whoever it is. It might just be a woman that you know that if she walked in right now, you would have the utmost respect for her. How would you talk to her? How would you look at her? Because that is essentially how you should be talking to every single woman in your life. 
Yeah, that's why you should be pulling out the chair. That's why you should be opening the door. That's why you should be willing to protect them. That's why you should be saying, I'll use all the strength in me to make sure that I lift you up and I love for you to do the same thing to me. And you can only imagine what people around will say, wow, what kind of guys are these? What kind of guys are going to really, really look at women and treat them just like that? I mean, are they really giving them all of themselves? And we say, yeah. Well, Joe, she doesn't really want to be treated like that. She doesn't even treat herself like that. Doesn't look at herself like that. Well, according to Jesus, he say treat him like that anyways. Still open the door for him. Still treat him like that. And imagine what impact that would make on a woman who didn't view herself like that. Ah, oh, gosh, men, you have the ability to change so much around you. Even if a girl views herself as nothing, if you treat her like she's everything, you'll start changing her mindset too. But it's got to start with you. You can't look at her like that until you're willing to really truly look at women like that. And so we say, who's the woman in your life that if she walked in right now, you'd say, I I just want to respect you and I want to just cheer you on. And Jesus said, you should treat every single woman like that. Every woman in your life that walks in and out. Treat them like that. Honor them. Grant them everything you can. And then this last one, this, this last one's the tough one. This last one's the one I always get pushed back on because they say, I, I don't know about this one. This one's a little tough. Not quite sure. I was with everything, but this one, this one's a little scary. See, reality is if you spend a lot of time developing all these habits, then you can't just change overnight. And if you become this person, if you become this man, then you know it's going to take a process for you to become the type of man for the woman that you're looking for, so or the type of man that you're looking for. And so this last one is a big request, but it's a necessary request. Because so many times people try and change while they're jumping from relationship to relationship to relationship. And we all know that that doesn't work well because you're too busy trying to look at the other person. And so for some of you in the room, you might need to say, I need a year. And a year is the minimum. But you need a year to say, I'm stepping out of relationships for a year. And I'm just going to work on being the person that person I'm looking for is looking for. I need a year, though. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. In three months, you're going to find the guy or girl of your dreams. (laughs) And you're going to say, what did I do? This is the dumbest decision. I need to abort. But I promise you, if it's meant to be, if it's meant to be, hold out. It's that serious. You're that serious. And if you truly, truly, truly hold out for a year and dedicate that year to you, to changing your mindset, to learning how not to view women as commodity, to really, really learning how to respect and honor every single woman that walks in here to completely changing the type of music you're listening to, to completely saying I'm not going to engage in any type of pornography or any type of media for that matter that contradicts my perspective on women. If you could just do that for a year, can you imagine the different type of man you'll be at the end of that year? It will completely change you, but it's not easy. The reality is you'll probably need somebody to help you along that journey. But you need a year. It's not a month. 
It's not three months. It's a year. It's a year commitment. And time and time again, I see it pay off. And time and time again, I see guys who find that perfect girl on month three abort and end up in a Franken marriage. No, they don't get married, but it's still terrible. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times. If it starts with us, if we agree to grow up and stop, stop, stop viewing women as children and actually view them as men and say, you know what, not view women as women, men, (laughs) but actually decide to be a man in how we view women, but not just a man, but actually a man of God and actually treat women like that, oh, that, that's something that can radically change relationships and your dating life. If you decide to actually become a gentleman and say, I'm going to embrace what God embraced. I want to be the type of man that he talked about. That would radically change relationships. And I'll tell you a secret. There are a bunch of women that are looking for that type of man. And there's not that many of them. And if you could just take the time, if you could just take that time to really figure out how to be that type of man, then so many. (laughs) If you could figure out, no, listen, listen, listen. No, this is serious though, really. If you could really figure out how to be that type of man, I can't tell you how many women will look at you and say, that is the type of man I'm looking for. And there won't be that many other guys like you. Just saying. But it's got to start with the tough decisions. Are you the person that the person you're looking for is looking for? Are you willing not to look at women like commodities? Are you willing to change the type of music you listen to? Are you really willing to stop looking at erotic images? Are you willing to treat every single woman in your life the way that God would have them treat, have them treated, assuming that they are his daughters and he is their father? And lastly, if you need it, and this might even be you in a relationship needing to step out of your relationship, do you need a year? Do you need a year because you know something in your gut, something in your gut's telling you, you know what? I need a year. I'm in this relationship but I need a year because I'm not the man. I'm not the woman I need to be. And in order to be that, I need to focus on me for a year. And if you can do that, it will radically change. Not only your relationships, but so many people around you, just as it did back then. Let's pray. God, you asked You ask us to make the tough calls, not the easy ones, not the ones that make us feel great. No, God, you ask us to make the necessary ones so that all those around us can benefit, so that we can benefit, and so that we can love the way you want us to love. And so, God, tonight, tonight there's a guy in this room that in their heart they're struggling and they don't want to let go of some things. And, God, I just ask that you touch that person's heart. You touch that man's heart and let him know that you want more for him. And God, there's a man that's hiding something. And one day he's going to bring it right into the marriage. 
God, there's, there's no such thing as marriage problems. There's just people with problems that get married. And so, God, I just ask that we can just begin to work on ourselves so that we don't just track all that baggage into our marriage so that when we do get married, we know that we really, truly do love her and we cherish her and we cheer her and we give her everything that we have and lift her up and make sure she feels protected and honored. God, if we can make these type of men, God, this is a wonderful starting place. And so I ask them to make these tough calls. I ask you to touch their hearts. I ask you to give them the strength, give them the courage, give them the people in their life that will help them and keep them accountable so that in the end, Lord, we can make some wonderful single men of God. And it's in these things we ask in your son's precious name. Amen.